Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Dr. Rob Lindstead looks at what's next in Bible prophecy, and Dr. Kenneth Hill shares some much-needed encouragement from God's Word. This Friday is our next in-person prophecy conference. It's the Central Florida Prophecy Conference. It's going to take place this Friday and Saturday, January 28th and 29th in Lakeland, Florida. Visit swrc.com and click on Events at the top of the homepage for a complete schedule and list of speakers. The Central Florida Prophecy Conference, this Friday and Saturday in Lakeland, Florida. Register today for free by calling 1-800-652-1144 or visit swrc.com. Author and teacher Dr. Rob Lindstead joins James Collins now to look at what's next in Bible prophecy. I'm excited to have Dr. Robert Lindstead back on the Watchman on the Wall today. Dr. Lindstead has a Ph.D. in mechanical engineering. And he taught for nine years in the Department of Mechanical Engineering at Wichita State University in Wichita, Kansas. Since leaving WSU in 1979, Dr. Lindstedt's been devoted to full-time ministry. He's spoken at numerous Bible conferences, prophecy conferences, and youth camps. He's spoken and preached in 35 states, as well as Canada, Scotland, Jamaica, and the Bahamas. And Dr. Lindstedt takes a special interest in working with young people, and he is the executive director of Sunrise Christian Academy in Wichita. And he's a longtime friend of our ministry and a frequent guest. He has a brand new DVD that we're going to talk about today called What's Next in Bible Prophecy. Dr. Lindstedt, welcome back to the Watchman on the Wall. Thanks, James. It's so good to be with you, especially about the topics we're going to discuss. Well, I am excited to talk to you today about Bible prophecy. Now, I've followed your ministry for many years, and I know that you're a wonderful teacher of Bible prophecy, but men like you are few and far between. Why, Dr. Lindstedt, do you think that most churches and ministries today don't teach Bible prophecy? I think one of the reasons, I think there's two basic ones, but number one, I think so many of the people today that are maybe preachers or teachers they say, okay, this is a complicated subject, because mm-hmm. in order to do Bible prophecy properly, you really have to go from Genesis to Revelation. Right. It impacts the New Testament church. It impacts the prophets. You have to get a proper perspective of Israel and God's plan for Israel, and then a proper perspective of what God had in mind when he designed the church. And Jesus said, you know, the gates of hell will not prevail against mm-hmm. it. So it really does involve a more comprehensive look at the Word of God. I think the other reason is because it's very convicting. Sometimes people get into a program where they say, you know, we, we want to build a new building, or, or we want to do this, or we want to increase membership. Those are all good things. Not against those things. But the real truth is, if the plan of God runs counter to my personal plan, my personal plan needs to change to match the plan of God. So God has a plan, and I'm so glad that he revealed his plan and the Word of God, and he wants us to know the plan. And so it's discovered by taking the Word of God, taking the Bible, and beginning to read it and to understand the overall plan of God. And when you do that, you say, well, my plans are secondary compared to the plan that God has because God really does have the best plan. It's absolutely the best plan, and I want that plan to be the plan for my life. And Certainly, we want that for the church. 
Well, amen. Amen. That's a great answer, Dr. Linsett. You've produced a fantastic teaching DVD called What's Next in Bible Prophecy. Now, in this video series, you look at six coming prophetic events, the rapture, the tribulation, the battle of Armageddon, the millennial kingdom, the great white throne judgment, and the new heaven and the new earth. Let's start today with the rapture, Dr. Linsett. Now, you and I, neither one are date setters, but we believe that the rapture is imminent. Would you explain the doctrine of imminence? The doctrine of the imminent return of Christ hinges on this, that we're looking for Christ to come. There's a lot of events that I think the Bible talks about. Let's just take one, the mark of the beast. You know, let's take one, the nations will come against Israel. Yeah, those are future events, but those are things that we believe will take place in the tribulation. Mm -hmm. As I study the Bible and look at God's overall plan, I really believe the very next thing that could be on the scene is the catching out of the church because we have to distinguish the fact that the signs are for the millennial kingdom and for the tribulation, but there's not a sign for the rapture of the church. The church, like a Jewish bride, was to be looking for the bridegroom to come back and to claim her at any time. And so when he went away to prepare a house for her, just like Jesus said he was going to do in John 14. The bride's job was to make herself ready so that whatever hour the night he came and said ready, she was ready to leave her father's home, go with him to the new home, and there they would have the honeymoon ceremony. And so I think the church should be expecting the return of the bridegroom. And of course, our bridegroom is Jesus Christ. That is a beautiful picture of the rapture, the ancient Jewish wedding. Dr. Lynn said, in the DVD, though, you explained the purpose of each of the prophetic events. What exactly is the purpose of the rapture? I see the, the big purpose of the rapture, and James, let me just say this. You know, as we go through this six-part series, each time we're going to ask, okay, here's the event. Now, what's the purpose? And next, when does it fall into God's timetable? Because I like to have it so organized that when you're done, you say, okay, I understand God's plan. When we're done, that's the goal, is to make sure that we know what these six events are, how they differ from one another, what's the purpose, and then when do they occur. And so when we talk about the rapture, the purpose of the rapture is for Christ to take his bride, that's believers, home to heaven. That's the whole point of it. And to me, one of the things that's wonderful about it is can you imagine a bridegroom who's going to claim a new bride, can you imagine him wanting to have his bride beat up? I can't. And that's why I think the church, as the bride of Christ, will escape the wrath of God that is unleashed in the tribulation. The point of the tribulation is not for the church. And I'm sure we'll talk about that later in our program today. But the point of the rapture is for Christ to be able to take his bride home to heaven. And it's before the wrath of God comes out on the earth because the wrath of God has already come on those of us who have accepted him. Christ bore the wrath of God on the cross for my sins. And so there's no need for me to have to go through the wrath of God in the tribulation because Christ has already borne that wrath for me on the cross. Well, I really appreciate in this video series how you teach where each of these events fall on God's calendars. Now, you and I, again, both believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, and you use Revelation 4.1 and Revelation 4.2 to show that the rapture will happen before the tribulation. 
Would you expound on that and explain those couple of passages in detail? Yeah, that's a wonderful proof text. Most people are familiar with that chapter. And of course, it begins this way. After this, I looked. Behold, the door was open in heaven. The first voice that I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up here. Now that come up here certainly sounds like a snatching out or a rapture type scene. The verse continues, and I will show the things that must be hereafter. So when you come to chapter 4, verse 1, the verse begins with the words after this, ends with the words hereafter, same word. It's the Greek word metatata. And what's interesting, when you go back to Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, here's the divine outline for the book of Revelation. We should make it more complex than what the Bible has made it, but in Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, John is instructed, write the things which thou have seen, that's past. Write the things which are, that's the present tense. I think that's the church age. And write the things which will be hereafter. So that word hereafter there is the same word, metatalta. So the Spirit of God shows John, there's three divisions to Revelation. Things that are past, that's chapter 1. Those are the way that God chose to reveal Christ through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The things which are right now, that's the church age. The church age is described in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And then when you come to chapter 4, the verse we read, it says metatauta. It's like John, when he wrote Revelation 119, he says, and write the things which shall be metatauta. So it's like saying thirdly. You come to Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, and he says thirdly. We're in the third division. It's future things. And the first thing is the calling out of the church. Now, I'm convinced that's before the tribulation. And maybe there's a person listening to us right now, and they're not sure. And that's okay. But here's what I want them to do. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, that begins the future events. And it begins with the word metatauta. That's the calling out of the church come up here. Mm-hmm. The tribulation does not begin in Revelation until chapter 6, verse 2. And in chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, Jesus Christ gets the scroll from God the Father. He opens the scroll, and that scroll has seven seals. When he opens the first seal, out comes the Antichrist. Afterwards, there are seven seals, and after the seventh seal is opened, then there are seven trumpets that announce judgments. And then after the seventh trumpet, there's going to be seven bowls that present judgments. Altogether, 21. But the very first thing of this tribulation is the release of the Antichrist. Now, the rapture takes place in chapter 4, verse 1. The tribulation can't begin until the Antichrist is revealed, chapter 6, verse 1. What takes place in between chapter 4 and chapter 6 is one of the most infallible proofs of the pre-tribulation rapture. First of all, we know that what takes place in the tribulation is called the wrath of God, and the Bible clearly states that the church does not go through the wrath of God. Next, it says this, that in chapter 4, we're called up. We see God the Father on the throne. It's an incredible sight. The four living creatures, the four and twenty elders, they sing praises to him. They say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And then they throw crowns at his feet. Where did they get the crowns? We're told that we're given our crowns after the rapture occurs at the judgment seat of Christ. 
once the crowns are thrown at the feet of God the Father, now God the Father sits on the throne holding the scroll and there's weeping in heaven because they say, who's worthy to open the scroll? And they don't find anyone. Finally, someone says, well, here's one that's worthy. Listen to his description. It says this, that he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's of the root of David. He's of the lamb that had been slaughtered or crucified and now resurrected. I know who that is. That's Jesus. Amen, yes. And so they say he's worthy. Once they decide he's worthy, now all of heaven begins to sing praises to this lamb. And it's the four living creatures. It's the four and twenty elders. I think, again, that's the picture of the church. And after they sing those praises and bow down and worship him, now he takes the scroll and now he releases the first seal and the Antichrist comes and now the tribulation can begin. But the tribulation can't begin until the Antichrist is released. The Antichrist can't be released until the seal is broken. The seal is not broken until we sing praises to the Lamb. The Lamb doesn't get the scroll until we sing praises to God the Father and throw the crowns at His feet that were given to us after the rapture. Therefore, we must be raptured before the tribulation can ever begin. Well, if you're just joining us today, my guest is Dr. Rob Linstead. We're talking about his DVD, What's Next in Bible Prophecy. You can get your own copy right now by calling toll-free 1-800-652-1144 or online at swrc.com. Now, Dr. Linstead, I have been a student of Bible prophecy for over 25 years. I've had my head in the Word of God, studying and reading books and studying the Bible. I love it when I learn something new, even after all this time of study, and I learned something from you in this DVD that I had never heard before. Would you explain how the rapture is pictured in the life of Joseph? Yes, this is a beautiful picture. You see, I think there were pictures, illustrations of the rapture, and several of those are ones that we're well familiar with. We've already mentioned the bride and the bridegroom. Mm -hmm. It's a picture of a Jewish wedding. And I think another one is Noah and the ark. But one of my favorite ones, really, is a picture of Joseph. Joseph is a picture of Christ. I'm not saying he is Christ. But there's a hundred similarities, parallels, between Joseph and Jesus Christ. And I'll just mention a couple, and then people will say, yeah, we see who that is. For example, he was loved by his father, and he was rejected and hated by his brothers. And the things that he did, he always did them to please his father, not necessarily to even please his brothers or to make peace. During trials and tribulations, he was faithful to God. And so those are some of the parallels. But seeing him as a picture of Christ, what is interesting is that Joseph gets sold by his brothers, rejected by his brothers, is put into Egypt in prison. And during that time, remember, a dream takes place. And the butler and baker have their dreams interpreted by Joseph. Finally, Pharaoh has a dream. And in this dream, there were seven fat cows and seven skinny cows. There were seven fat ears of corn and seven skinny ears of corn. And Joseph said, we're going to have a time of big harvest. But there's going to be a time of lean harvest, seven years of famine. And when Pharaoh saw the wisdom that Joseph had, he put Joseph in charge of that. What is interesting is that prior to these seven lean years, this tribulation time, this famine time, the Bible records in Genesis chapter 41 
that Pharaoh promotes Joseph, and in that condition, Joseph now takes a Gentile bride before the famine ever begins, before the seven years of tribulation begin. What a beautiful picture of the fact that Jesus is going to take a Gentile bride, the bride of a church, before the seven-year tribulation begins, because that seven-year tribulation will deal primarily with the nation of Israel. Yeah, there will be other people that will be involved in it, but it's for the unbelieving and for the nation of Israel. Many of them, the Bible says two-thirds of them will be cut off, but one-third of them will actually come and they'll realize who the true Messiah is. And so Joseph is a picture of Jesus getting a Gentile bride before the tribulation, before the famine, is a wonderful picture that God has placed there so we understand his divine plan. I love that, Dr. Lynn said. Well, let's move on to the tribulation. What's the purpose of the tribulation? The purpose of the tribulation, I'm going to divide it into three things. Number one, God's wrath will be poured out on the earth. The Bible is very clear. It states that the wrath of God will come. Number two, God is going to fulfill his promises to the Jews. God has promised the Jews 490 years. At the end of Palm Sunday, 483 years have been completed. But there's another period of seven that he owes the Jews. And this prophecy was made in the book of Daniel, chapter 9. The third thing is that God reveals, he exposes, he defeats the false trinity. That takes place in this tribulation period of time. So, you see, the purpose of the tribulation is very different than the purpose that God has for the rapture. Next time, I'd like to discuss with you if a person can get saved during the tribulation. Thanks again, Dr. Lindstedt, for being on The Watchman on the Wall with me today. Dr. Rob Lindstedt will continue his look at what's next in Bible prophecy tomorrow. Ministry President Dr. Kenneth Hill comes now and opens God's Word and shares some much-needed encouragement. Our discussion today will be taken from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat in the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them, are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, 
or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So here we have presented in these short verses the cure of anxiety. What do we have to do to cure anxiety? To take worry away from us. Some people are so prone to worry, it seems that they cannot get along through any day without worrying about something. And usually it's something not worth worrying about. But they must, as we must, come to the truth of what do we do to cure our worry spirit, our anxiety? Well, we cure it by trusting in the care of our Heavenly Father. He has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. He has promised to always be there to help us. And without question, He has given to us all things so that we might be useful in his service and so that we might be faithful in the work to which he's called us. Isn't that exciting to know God loves us so much, he takes the worry from us if we will just give it to him. That's all we have to do. You say that's all? (laughs) It's difficult though, isn't it? For some people, it's far more difficult than for others. But in this day of illness and sickness and disease and problems, in this world in which we see calamity and chaos, we must rely upon the truth of God's Word, and we must give up this understanding of worry as if we can do something about the situations around us. What can you do? How much space can you add to your stature? Here in this passage of Scripture, that's questioned, isn't it? In this verse 25, Christ speaks and he says, Take no thought for your life. Don't worry about what you'll eat what you'll drink, or what you'll put on. Because life is much more than a meal. Life is much more than what we wear, or where we go, or to whom we speak, or what job we may have. Our daily existence is far more than any of those things, and God has already worked it all out for us. Jesus Christ gives an example. He says, Behold the fowls of the air. They never sow. They never reap. They don't take up the harvest and put it in barns for storage. 
but yet their Heavenly Father and our Heavenly Father takes care of them. He feedeth them. And then the question that our Lord asks us, are ye not much better than they? We who are human beings created in the very image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, are we not much better than the fowls of the air? And what about us personally? Do you worry or have you ever worried about your stature, how tall you are? I always wanted to be six feet tall. That was something I wanted to be. As a child, I remember thinking, if I could only make it to six feet, if I could rise up and be six feet tall. Well, the Lord allowed me to do that. (laughs) But then as I grew older, I was no longer six feet tall because in the expanse of time, we somehow start to diminish somewhat in our stature. And not by our own devices, by the way, but just as a matter of nature. But I thought, if I could just achieve that, that was one inch taller than my dad. And I thought, wow, that'd be so good. Well, was it? No, not really. It wasn't good. It wasn't bad. It was just there. And I couldn't have added to my stature, no matter how much I wanted to, but I could trust in the goodness of my Heavenly Father. Take no thought for those things of eat, drink, clothing, or anything at all in this world. Trust your Heavenly Father. Give Him the opportunity to provide for you, and he will do just that. He'll provide for you more and better things than you've ever thought of, than you've ever considered that you would want. God is so good to us. We simply have to trust him. And so I would request today that you spend time in the word of God This passage of Scripture is a good place in Matthew chapter 6. But wherever you go to study, study the Word, enjoy the Word, and then trust the God of the Word. Allow Him (laughs) to provide for you, and you will never be disappointed. My dear friend, May God give you the desires of your heart as you trust in him and lean not unto your own understanding. Don't worry about the things of this life. Commit yourself to the heavenly father who loves you and who has sent Jesus Christ to be your savior. Trust him in all things and you will never be disappointed. Today we are offering Rob Linstead's excellent DVD teaching series, What's Next in Bible Prophecy? Seven lessons on two discs, over three hours of timely teaching that answers the important question, what's next? 
Order your copy today by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144 or order online swrc.com. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com.